Tom Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The journey to a COVID-19 vaccine began decades ago with research on earlier coronaviruses. Scientists built on that with months more of research and development, worldwide cooperation, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of diverse volunteers. Finally, they arrived at a safe, effective vaccine. The next step on the journey is yours. Discover the facts at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Commencing countdown engines on. Check ignition and make God's love be with you. Today, for he 
tin can Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour has uh, been here before talking about uh, sustainability and other things. She has been working diligently to live a greener, more self-reliant lifestyle for much of her adult life. And uh, that's certainly evidenced by the book she teamed up with National Geographic on called Attainable Sustainable. The Lost Art of Self-Reliant Living by Chris Bordessa, who joins me by phone. Hi, Chris. Welcome back. Hi. Good morning. I remember the last time we talked, we ended up talking quite a bit about the fact that you live in Hawaii, and you found that there are different uh, things that grow well there and things that normally everybody can grow that don't grow so well there. You have a good memory. Yes, that is that is true. Um, 
just uh, uh, I've been here now a dozen or so years, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, and and I'm still learning. Uh, so when I have, I want to have a reader say, "Gosh, I'm you know I'm just learning about gardening." I kind of am too, <laughs> because it's, <laughs> because it's, it's all new to me. You know, learning how to deal with the different climate, the different pests and such that we have here, compared to where I I grew up gardening. Um. What are some of the things that that people typically grow? Um, I, I'm thinking of tomatoes, but what are some of the things that just about everybody can grow or has grown that don't do well in Hawaii? Okay, are you ready for this? Yes. Zucchini. Really? You cannot grow zucchini. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I know it's just mind-boggling because in the summertime, people... You know, people in normal places have gardens and, and, you know, just this huge abundance of zucchini, and I just can't grow it to save my life. Um, there's a, a pro- We have a problem with powdery mildew here, and we have a particular uh, caterpillar that gets into the, into the uh, zucchini just, just as it's in blossom, so it just never, um, it never matures. What are some of the things that grow well in Hawaii that, um, you know that that anybody can grow in Hawaii, but then you try to grow it somewhere else, and not so much. Yeah, what I've learned being here, and and it's a good lesson really for anybody, and that is grow what grows well. You know, there are just things that are going to do well here that you know they they don't they won't grow for anybody else. But we grow, um, of course, bananas. Um, I, I have just bananas you know, pretty much all year round at this point we can harvest. Um, and we harvest those when they're green and, and then hang them and, and allow them to ripen. And I have, we have a, a root crop here called taro that is a, um, it, it's, it's what they consider one of the canoe plants, a plant that came to Hawaii when when the, uh, the first people came to Hawaii. And that is a, a starchy root crop uh, that is, grows really, really well here. You have, I mean, you're really invested in this, and you grow a lot of things, and you have animals as well. Um, but are there things that that grow inside just as well as they grow outside? I mean, like grow, like having an indoor garden. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be as large as what you might be able to do in a yard or if you had, you know, more than a couple acres of land to use. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about there are things I've seen people growing in their windowsill, um, you know, spices and things. Right. Um, an herb windowsill garden is always a possibility. The The biggest difficulty with growing things indoors is the light. You know, vegetable crops, herb crops really need a fair amount of light, so you've got to be able to get them to a window that they're going to get a good amount of light during the day. Um, But you can. You can grow things like lettuce indoors. Um, Microgreens are are another nice option because they're actually um, ready to eat just within a week. They're, you know, the short little microgreens that people would put to top a salad and such. So those are things that just pretty much anybody can grow indoors. Uh, but here's a surprise one for you. And uh, you may have to think back to, like, 
kindergarten or first grade when you did the experiment where you started a sweet potato by putting the toothpicks in it and setting it in a glass of water. Yeah. And it will sprout. So what people, a lot of people don't know is that the leaves of that sweet potato are edible. So you could plant that and grow that, and it you know, makes a lovely hanging plant, like a, uh, in a macrame hanger, a hanging plant, and those leaves can be harvested and eaten, much like spinach. Oh, really? I, you compare it to spinach, then, as, as far as being edible. I was thinking of, you know, maybe perhaps an edible garnish or something. Um, no, you can you can actually you know cut the leaves and saute them uh, like you would have a cooked green. Is it is it possible to have a garden with enough variety to really sustain your whole diet? Mm-hmm. Well, I talk about that in the book a little bit, and and that is the idea of making sure that you're growing enough calories. Because, you know, uh, me, I, I can eat fresh tomatoes out of the garden all day long. Lettuce is great. I love salads. But, you know, at the end of the day, if that's all you're eating, you're going to be hungry. So when you're planning a garden and if you are thinking about really trying to make sure that your family has a lot of their food grown right on their property, you want to think about adding staple crops, things like uh, potatoes or sweet potatoes if you have a long enough growing season pumpkins and squash and winter winter squash, not summer squash, zucchini kind of things, but, but the winter squash. Um, beans are another one that, that are a good starchy crop that will help, you know, really, really fill you up because that's what you need to think about, right? Now, when you say growing season, I'm in Michigan and I, you know, I think of that, that one really good day every year. Um, <laughs> but, but I've heard about that day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, yeah, remember last summer? God, that was a good day. Um, but, but Hawaii is known for having this, this really beautiful, sunshiny weather all year round. Does, are there, are there growing seasons even in Hawaii? Yeah, and I have to tell you, just as an aside, I'm here in fuzzy slippers, long pants, a big, long, heavy sweatshirt, and a down jacket. Um, so really? Hawaii is... You sound like yeah, a youper. It's, it's, <laughs> 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 uh, we have a lot of different um, growing zones, climate zones on this island. I'm at a 2,000-foot elevation, and, you know, we get down. It's not, not cold like you know, but we get down into the 40s. Um, overnight in the wintertime, so it does get chilly. And, yes, we also have a a growing season that, you know, may surprise a lot of people because you think that you're just going to be harvesting all year round. Uh, We have things like uh, the lychee fruit that grows on a tree that's kind of similar to an apple tree, but it has a season. It's You know, lychee is is ripe in June. We we know that that's the, and, and, you know, goes both sides of that a little bit, but that's lychee season, and same thing with even mangoes. They, they have got their season, and um, and then we also have the things that can be harvested year-round. That, that's more like um, papaya and the taro that I mentioned. Bananas kind of go off all year-round. So so for sure, there, there are seasons. More with Attainable Sustainable founder Chris Bordessa straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there and please stay home and stay safe. discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with attainable, sustainable founder Chris Bordessa straight ahead. I hate to keep mentioning tomatoes, but everybody I know grows them, so I know a little bit more about tomatoes. And it seems like like they they grow almost any time, and they come up very quickly. Um, are there are there some things that that turn around quickly that you can plant and in a fairly short time actually be harvesting things from that? And what are some of those things that that turn around very quickly? Yeah, there's when you're talking about garden garden crops, um, one of the the quickest garden crops are radishes. You know, they're they're probably three to four weeks from planting to harvest. They're pretty quick. Wow. Turnips are too. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're also, they're pretty gratifying if you've got little kids and you want to try and teach them to grow things, you know, so they're not having to wait for months and months. Yeah, uh, right. Every, you know, so they get, you know, oh, I can actually do this. Um, they're out there so every day looking at it going, did it grow anything <laughs> yet? But I totally get them, you know, because I, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So, so yeah, they're, you know, those are the shorter crops, um. That, you know, if you really want to get something going quickly. And then the, the radish greens are edible as well. So, you know, if you have, you know, if you harvest the radish, you can also eat the greens so that you've got kind of double double use there. So the, the garden crops, too, you, you think about there's a couple of different kinds of things to consider. A radish is what I would consider a once-and-done crop because in order to harvest the radish, you're pulling the whole thing. It's not going to make any more radishes. It's just, boom, I grew a radish, and here it is, and we're going to enjoy it. Same thing with beets and um, even head lettuce, that, that you would harvest the whole head. But then there are other crops that, that are considered uh, cut-and-come-again crops. That would be like leaf lettuce, because when, when it grows, you can cut the outer leaves and leave the center to keep growing so that you can harvest lettuce over a longer period of time which is nice because you've done the work. You might as well get a harvest that, that lasts for a longer time. Um, another one that I like to, to recommend is Swiss chard because it's easy to grow. It's pretty in a container. It, it can, you, know, you can mix it in as a green with flowers even, and you can harvest from that in that manner uh, for, for months and months, uh, you know, the, whole, the whole growing season. And then the third category is the continuous harvest crops, and those are the things that you grow for their fruit, the zucchini, the peppers, the tomatoes, the eggplant, those sorts of things where they, they grow, they become a tiny little plant, and then they just keep making the fruit that you can harvest again across, you know, weeks and weeks. Green beans and peas would be another one. Now that's some of the things that, that you I'm can... I'm all about getting the most out of the work you're doing, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. You're preaching to the choir. Um, you know, if if uh, in fact I'm still I'm still trying to locate a bacon bush. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think no that would. So far. Yeah, or a steak tree, you know. Um, <laughs> but what that raises a, a, an interesting sort of question because uh, a lot of. It, Getting meat is a much more complicated process than 
than plant-based foods. And I'm just wondering if there are some good substitutes for meat that people can, you know, grow in their backyard or, or on their property. Yes, um, but, I'll, but I'll tell you a story along with that. Um, one of the things that comes to mind, with, with meat, what we're looking for is something, obviously, that will fill us up, which we talked about a little bit, but then the protein content. So you can grow beans, and rather than the green beans that you would harvest and eat the whole uh, pod, you would allow them to mature completely, harvest the beans inside, and, and you know they end up being like the pinto beans or the kidney beans that you, dry, that you buy dry at the supermarket. And, and those are a good uh, high-protein meat substitute that vegetarians use often. But I know a gal who, um, she, she's actually in Canada, and she did an experiment one year, and, and she's all about um, being self-reliant and doesn't want to have to buy meat from, you know, the ag industry, um, the, the meat that we get at the supermarket that hasn't maybe been raised as well as what she could do. So she raises a lot of her own meat. But she did an experiment one year, and she also planted some high-protein beans to harvest. And... At the end of the year, she shared some photos and said, I'm, you know, in the, in the amount of time and effort it takes for me to butcher animals, and I can't remember if she was butchering rabbits or chickens, she was able to grow in, in a much, much bigger amount of space a quart-sized jar of beans. So, you, you know, those things are a good substitute for me, but you're going to need a lot of space to be able to make that happen. And does that um, necessitate people to work with other people that do, uh, that do farming, even if they're growing a lot of their own food, their vegetables um, and fruits? Do you, is, is that something that people should start trying to do right away is look for alternatives to the grocery store to do their hunting? It, it's something that that I would look into. I mean, I, I certainly, you know, one of the things I try not to do is, is tell people what they should be doing. Um, but, but yes, I am a big proponent of, of local food and sourcing our food as locally as possible. Um, and, you know, if somebody is a meat eater and they're trying to supplement their, their menu and, and have that meat without, without having the questionable quality food at the, at the supermarket, and, you know, it's the whole system, really, that's, that's worrisome to me. Um, but, yeah, you know, find out. Is there somebody in your community who is a hunter? Or, you know, we have, have somebody locally here who has created a... Um, kind of like a CSA box, a community-supported agriculture box that includes vegetables, which is normal, but they also have gone out and they're working with um, meat growers in the area so that they can provide their, their box, they can make boxes that are vegetables and meat as well. Well, in, so, in here you know, in, in Michigan, um, deer is, is a real big thing. Um, right. You know, a lot of people hunt deer, and 
they'll they'll go out and get a deer and then they take it someplace and you know have it broken down into you know steaks and chops and all kinds of stuff it, it, it's a little bit and i don't know i don't know you know state by state how the the laws work but i do know that it's difficult if somebody's a hunter a prolific hunter it's difficult to get that wild meat into retail yet there are a lot of hoops to jump through in order to get it into retail uh, we have here wild boar that are problematic. There's not even a hunting season. It's, they're, they're, they're pests. So, you know, they're readily available for anybody who wants to go out and, and hunt for them or trap for them. But those people can't, can't easily get that into the grocery stores. So, you know, it's a little bit of just kind of sleuthing out and finding who's doing this. How can you, you know, if... Because if you've got a friend that you know, you know, all right, I know they do a good job. They keep things clean. I'm real comfortable with their process. You know, that, that's different than maybe buying deer steaks out of somebody's trunk, you know. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about people who've, uh, you know, been doing this for years, and they've they've identified a good butcher, and, you know, every at, at the end of every hunting season, um you know, a lot of refrigerators and freezers in Michigan fill up with uh, with venison. Right. And that's a perfect, you know, if that, if that person is a hunter and not necessarily a gardener, that's a perfect opportunity to do some trading. Right. You know, I'll provide you with tomatoes all summer if I can have a quarter of your venison that you take down in the fall. Right, right. Um, a, a minute or two ago, Chris, you, you mentioned something about, uh, you know, the, the food system being worrisome. In what ways? Oh, um, uh, well. Just just a couple general takeaways, you know. That, <laughs> That's kind of a huge question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to make it quite so open-ended. talking about meat you know the the animals are confined in pretty horrible growing conditions and i would much rather see and i am a meat eater um i would much rather see that beef cow out on pasture rather than in a you know mucky no grass fenced area um and and what they're fed is kind of questionable in some cases. I don't know. I read something. It's, it's been a number of years now that, you know, that they were getting a lot of um, kind of cast-off food items to give to the to the cattle, which isn't really what they should be eating. So that's a problem. Um, the idea of giving um, prophylactic uh, medications just to keep the animals healthy because they're eating a bad diet. Uh, you know, it just seems I, I would so much rather have my cow out there eating fresh grass until it was time to, you know, to be in my freezer. Gotcha. Um, the the book uh, Attainable Sustainable with National Geographic um, is is kind of laid out interestingly. You have uh, two uh, overarching sections. One is uh, indoors, and the other is is outdoors. And you talk about uh, the indoor things are broken down into three chapters, eat, make, and clean. And then um, in the outdoors section, in part two, the three chapters are grow, farm, and trek. Um, 
what what is track? <laughs> track track is you know essentially us saying people get outside. You know, get outside. Find, find uh, you know find an activity that you enjoy outside, whether it's walking or hiking, uh, breathing the air. Being aware of our surroundings, I think that we tend to just go about our day, and I'm as guilty of it as, as the next person, go about our day and pretty soon we haven't even looked up and noticed that, you know, that tree is in blossom or, um, you know, the ducks are here in town this week. Uh, so I, th- I think it's, you know, I think that it will do us all good to be a little bit more connected to the out-of-doors. Now, see, you went a completely different direction than I was expecting, Chris. I thought you were going to have us out there foraging for mushrooms. and. <laughs> well, there is that, too. You know, there, 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 are, there are foraging things that people can do. Um, but I've, I've found that, it, it, that that get outside thing, it, it's very daunting for some people. That, you know, we're not used to being outside, so... So maybe if it's somebody who's not used to being outside, it's just a matter of, um, t- you know, taking your sketchbook and sketching a leaf. And as you become more and more aware of the plants that are around you, you may find that you realize that, you know, there are some things that are edible out there. Um, there are a lot of edible mushrooms out there, but I hesitate to tell anybody <laughs> what they are. Uh, Should- you know, that's something that... My thing with foraging is I, is I feel like, yes, there are some things that are really, really recognizable and safe to eat. Say dandelions. Most everybody knows dandelions. Um, but I really would like people to go out with an experienced forager so that they're not eating something that is dangerous. Well, certainly at first. At, at first, of course, until you, become, until you begin to recognize and know. We have a, a wild mushroom here that... Um, I had a mushroom expert. I had been eyeing it, and I thought I knew what it was, but I had a guy who actually is a, a mushroom expert stop by, and I said, hey, will you look at these for me? Is this what I think it is? And he said, yeah, absolutely. So now I know that those are, those are safe. And, you know, he I kind of just somebody to double-check me because they, they can look similar, poisonous and non-poisonous mushrooms. So, um, yeah, be safe with that. And this book isn't just about uh about growing food it's it's about all kinds of things you can do to be um maybe more sustainable like you talk in chapter two uh, which is called make um what kinds of things are you talking about there yeah that that is that's kind of the the heart chapter if you will that you know we're going to dig in and relearn some vintage skills uh, whether it's candle making or um, you know there's a short chapter on leather work uh, quilting and you know I, I love the idea of quilting because it's a way to take something that is um, out no longer of use torn torn clothing whatever and turn it into something new so you know I, I, I particularly am fond of quilting as far as that goes um, but yeah it's just, you know getting getting our hands in there and making things we've gotten so far from from doing that you know where, where people 
I, I mean, fairly recently people started taking up knitting, and, and we started to see people carrying their knitting around with them. And it's that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's something to do with our hands. It's, it's so that we're being creative and, you know, reaching in and doing some of these soul-satisfying projects. How far can someone get on the road to um, uh, being off the grid and, and, and doing it in a way that's uh, sustainable? Can people get from the tips in this book, Attainable, Sustainable? This book is, um, I like to call it an introduction. It, we've covered a lot of ground with it. We've covered a lot of different topics. Um, I want people to flip through this and find a project and say, wow, this looks like something I'd like to tackle and try it. And it may be their thing. They may, may find that that's their thing and they can do a few more projects and then eventually branch out into something bigger. They might not like it. You know, we've got uh, a couple bread recipes in there, both bread and yeast bread. People may find that they're not into making bread, and that's fine. But maybe there's something else that will pique their interest and they can, they can go down that path. I want people to kind of embrace the idea of working towards this in small steps. I don't think, you know, we have to throw it all out. I'm still working it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still learning. I still struggle with bringing, bringing things home from a store that comes wrapped in plastic and there's no other way to get it. How, how can I get away from that and... Uh, and avoid bringing that plastic into the house. So it's a it's constant uh, vigilance, it's constant awareness, and and working at removing those things. And you know, as far as that goes, getting into the uh, the cooking and the the DIY pantry section of the book, uh, replacing some of the things that we might like salad dressing that we might buy regularly in plastic bottles that we can start making at home. Uh, so it's so so no. I, I don't think anybody's going to be able to buy this book and end up off grid in six months. That, that's <laughs> like, not, the, not the goal at all. That's a little uh, optimistic, I, I suppose. Inspiring enough. You know, I, I hope it inspires people to um, to really start rethinking and being aware. Now I've, I I vaguely remember a, a conversation I had with somebody who was an expert in in sourdough, and am I remembering? this correctly that making sourdough bread is kind of scary <laughs> well I, I don't i don't know how it would be scary sourdough can be a little persnickety as far as um, getting the bread to rise you need a really active um, starter that's what it and was the starter the starter. And, and, you know, if you have a really active starter, the, the butter will climb up out of the jar. It's, you know, they, they get real, really active. Um, so you need a really active active starter um, in order to, to get the, the bread to rise. And I think, you know, more than anything, it, because the making of the bread is not difficult. It's just mixing some ingredients and then giving it a chance to, to rise where it's warm. But it's, it's one of those things um, that if you don't do it often, or I should say, if you did it often, you'd start to recognize different points in the process. You'd start to see, oh, my starter needs a little little more of a, a kick. I need to let it sit out in the warm air for another day. Uh, so, so it's one of those things that I think is absolutely improved by doing it regularly. 
See, that was the part that made it scary to me. I'm used to, you know, I go in the kitchen and, you know, depending on the, the complexity of, of something I'm going to make, um, I'm usually going to start making it right then and there. And, you know, by dinner time, I'm going to have food. Right, right. And and that's not the case with sourdough bread. It's not <laughs> yeah. the case with any yeast bread, really, because, you know, you've got to, you, you have to plan ahead. So, so you can't decide you're going to make bread and have it to eat in half an hour. Um, there is, however, a really great um, quick bread in, recipe in the book that makes a nice, the oat bread in there makes a nice sandwich bread, and it's, it's a quick bread rather than a yeast bread, so you don't have to have that rise time. Well, Chris, besides, and this is going to be a very strange question to, to end our conversation on, but, you know, aside from the book, Attainable, Sustainable, and all of the um, gardening and farming and, and stuff that you do, um, do you have more projects coming up? Do you have Do you have a website where people can... Uh, find out more about what we've been talking about and uh, what you're up to past, present, and future? Yeah, of course. I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a strange way to close at all. Um, the book actually came about out of my website that I started 10 years ago. So I do indeed have a website. That is at attainablesustainable.net. And um, I'm on all the social media things as Attainable Sustainable. I've got a large Facebook follow, following. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Pinterest. And as far as upcoming, uh, there, you know, um, I am currently working on a video course for uh, newbie container gardeners, people who want to grow some of their own food but don't know where to start. So I'm, I'm working on pulling that together, which should launch in the next month or so. Um, and, and then there there may be some other fun stuff out there that that um, I'm not I'm not sure yet. Well, Chris, well, thanks sure thanks so much for spending this time with me and sharing some of these thoughts. Uh, it, it was a, a pleasure again talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye bye. That was uh, Chris Bordessa in. Uh, She'd been on the show before talking about uh, her team up with uh, National Geographic and the uh, book Attainable, Sustainable, The Lost Art of Self-Reliant Living. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
This is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. 
Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing, or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
in your pocket, words are jangling in your head. Why did summer go so quickly? Was there something that you said? Love was warm along the shore, leave the footprints in the sand. And is the sound of distant drumming just the fingers of your hand? And pictures hanging in a hole, we are the fragment of our song. Have remembered me. Like a wheel within a wheel, never ending or beginning on a never spinning reel. As the images unwind, like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. I remember the night mom was pounding on her drums. She called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up. Pretty soon you're gonna drive. And daddy heard the commotion and came, came in tap dancing, playing his six string. And they both looked at me and they said, son, before you get behind the wheel of a car, you listen to me. If you're texting while you steer, don't drive. If you've been drinking beer, don't drive. If you're talking on the phone, your tires are bald and it's starting to snow. Don't drive. If your foot can't reach the pedal. Don't drive. If you're wearing no apparel. Don't drive. If you took an illegal prescription. Don't drive. And no one understands your diction. Don't drive. Don't speed, don't read, don't breathe, don't tweet, don't shave, don't rave, don't wave, don't eat. And don't put no makeup on or shave. You know you're not supposed to do that. Ugh. If you gotta do something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and step on my blue suede shoes. Ah, uh, go ahead and scuff them up. If you're driving with your knees, don't drive. If while you roll, you eat, don't drive. If you don't know how to drive, don't drive. If you've been psychedelicized, don't drive. If you're kissing on your boobs. Kissing on you. Don't drive. If you've been drinking at a bar. Don't drive. If there's guns in the car. Don't drive. Don't groom, don't shave, don't tweeze, don't nurse, don't voice these things in your ears or rummage through your purse. Ugh. Don't do that. Huh. If you want something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and talk on my food, man, chew. Go ahead, I don't care. Watch me tear. If you feel like a nap, don't try. If there's a pooch on your lap, oh, it's dangerous and creepy. If you're feeling really wired, if your license is expired, don't you drive around the town. Something you're not supposed to do You can go ahead and step on my bluesway shoes Scuff them up Then go ahead and pull on my Fu Manchu Yeah 
something. You wanna do something that's good. If you're feeling like any of that stuff, don't drive! Make sure you got a clear head. Ow! Ugh. From the Tom That wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks again to my guest this past hour, Chris Bordessa, who teamed up with National Geographic uh, with her, the organization that she founded, uh, Attainable Sustainable, with some tips on how to be a little less reliant, uh, a little a little more self-reliant, let's put it that way. Anyway, it was great talking with Chris again. Before that, we talked to... Um, Presentation consultant and uh, expert, uh, as well as uh, New York Times best-selling author Tim Kogel, about uh, his. Um, oh, we talked about presentations, but we talked about his uh, latest book, um, "The Exceptional Presenter Goes Virtual." It was a fun conversation, to be sure. Tim uh, was a lot of fun and a first-time author, although not a first-time writer by any means. Um, Tammy Iuliano and talking about uh, her book, uh, her novel, it's a medical thriller called Fatal Intent and uh, deals with a lot of end-of-life issues, uh, intentional and otherwise. Um, and they're smoking George Winters, tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. But not before I get a chance to let you know that tomorrow's Wednesday, which means Armchair Politics, Mark Everson will be joining our roundtable regulars, uh, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right. Mark was uh, a high-ranking uh, government uh, official under two presidents, uh, Reagan and Bush. And now we're going to start out tomorrow with economist Chris Douglas. It'll be good to have Chris back, and we'll talk about the wealth tax and a number of other things. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and pencil sketch recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.